The reading this morning is taken from Numbers chapter 9, verses 15 to 23. On the day the tabernacle, the tent of the covenant law, was set up, the cloud covered it. From evening till morning, the cloud above the tabernacle looked like fire. That is how it continued to be. The cloud covered it, and at night it looked like fire. Whenever the cloud lifted from above the tent, the Israelites set out. Wherever the cloud settled, the Israelites encamped. At the Lord's command, the Israelites set out, and at his command, they encamped. As long as the cloud stayed over the tabernacle, they remained in camp. When the cloud remained over the tabernacle a long time, the Israelites obeyed the Lord's order and did not set out. Sometimes the cloud was over the tabernacle only a few days. At the Lord's command, they would encamp, and then at his command, they would set out. Sometimes the cloud stayed only from evening till morning, and when it lifted in the morning, they set out. Whether by day or by night, whenever the cloud lifted, they set out. Whether the cloud stayed over the tabernacle for two days, or a month, or a year, the Israelites would remain in camp and not set out. But when it lifted, they would set out. At the Lord's command, they encamped, and at the Lord's command, they set out. They obeyed the Lord's order, in accordance with his command through Moses. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Thank you very much, Naomi, and thank you indeed, Rob and Annabelle and Jason for leading us in our worship. That was beautiful. And indeed, thank you to our wonderful tech team, who we don't get to see at home, but are doing a wonderful job for us. We are picking up the series, uh, The Land in Between, that we started earlier in the year. We've had a break for half term for a couple of weeks. The Israelites are on their way out of Egypt and heading for the Promised Land, and they are in this sort of wilderness in between the two. Uh, We are in a land in between. It's nearly a year since the the first lockdown for the pandemic kicked in. There's a roadmap for the way out, but we're certainly not out of it yet, and we don't quite know what things will look like as we emerge. Uh, And there's lessons for us to learn about this land in between. God often seems to do his best work in us when we are unsettled, and certainly that is the case at the moment. Earlier in the term, we saw God's provision, that daily bread of manna. We saw the power of prayer as Moses with Aaron and Hur prayed and Joshua won the victory over the Amalekites. We looked at the Ten Commandments, how God made a covenant with his people, that he would be their God and they would be his people. And he gave them instructions for living in a way to please him. We looked at God revealing his name and character, Yahweh the God compassionate and gracious, slow to anger, abounding in love and faithfulness. And we've sung about those truths just now. And then just before half term, we looked at the setting up of the tabernacle, uh, sort of mobile temple, and how the cloud of God's presence came to dwell there. And today we have this wonderful story of how the cloud of God's presence guided the Israelites through the wilderness always there above the tabernacle by day, a cloud, at night, a pillar of fire. 
when it moves, they move. When it stays, they stay. And there are two themes for us this morning that are very closely linked. One is the presence of God with them. And the other is the guidance of God. And they're linked together because the closer we are to the Lord's presence, the more we discern his guidance and follow his nudges. On the other hand, the further away from his guidance we go, the more we follow our own way, the further away from his presence we get. So while most of the sermon will focus on God's guidance, I'm going to touch uh, first on his presence. Let's pray that he will indeed speak to us. Lord God, our Father, we thank you that you made your presence known to those ancient Israelites and your guidance through the desert, through the wilderness, that in-between land. We thank you that you promised to be present with us and to guide us. And as we think about these things, we pray that you would speak to us individually and together as a church family. And we ask it in Jesus' name. Amen. So first of all, um, let's think about God's presence. Uh, let's just recap where we were when the tabernacle was set up. This is the end of Exodus chapter 40. This is where we were before half term from verse 34. Then the cloud covered the tent of meeting and the glory of the Lord filled the tabernacle. Moses couldn't enter the tabernacle because the cloud had settled on it and the glory of the Lord filled the tabernacle. In all the travels of the Israelites, whenever the cloud lifted from above the tabernacle, they'd set out. But if the cloud did not lift, they did not set out until the day it lifted. So the cloud of the Lord was over the tabernacle by day and fire was in the cloud by night in the sight of all the Israelites during all their travels. And today we pick up on that. Let's just have the first two verses of the reading that Naomi read to us again, Numbers 9, 15 to 16. On the day the tabernacle, the tender for covenant was set up, the cloud covered it. From evening till morning, the cloud above the tabernacle looked like fire. This is how it continued to be. The cloud covered it, and at night it looked like fire. So we're picking up right where we left off uh, in the travels of the Israelites from Sinai onwards. It must have been extraordinary, very tangible. You'd come out of your tent, you could see the cloud there by day, pillar of cloud. At night, pillar of fire, lighting up, no doubt, the camp. And I must confess, there's something in me that would love God's presence to be that tangible, where you could see. Uh, I've often thought how wonderful it would be to be, have been alive at the time of Jesus, where you could have heard him directly and seen him, maybe touched him. But the truth is that what God has given us now is better. He has given us his Holy Spirit to live in us and be with us always, all the time. So while we can't see God tangibly, like you could have seen the pillar of cloud or fire, and we can't see Jesus physically like we, those first disciples did, actually what we have is better. God lives in us, with us, by his Holy Spirit. In all Christians, when you bow the knee to Jesus as your Lord, the first thing he does is forgive you and adopt you into his family and fill you with his Holy Spirit. And Jesus said that it was good for the disciples that he went away because he would send his Holy Spirit. John 16, verse 7, so Jesus said, It's for your good I'm going away. Unless I go away, the advocate, that's the Holy Spirit, will not come to you. But if I go, I will send him. So if you were ancient Israel, you could see the cloud. That's not the same as having God dwelling in you. 
if you were around at the time of Jesus, you could have seen Jesus. That's not the same as having Jesus by his spirit within us. And Jesus has promised to be with us, to be with you wherever you go. Matthew 28 verse 20, Jesus says, I am with you always by his Holy Spirit. Back to John 14, as Jesus taught the disciples about the Spirit, from verses 16 to 17, Jesus said he'd ask the Father, and the Father would give another advocate, another one like Jesus, to help you be with you forever, the Spirit of truth. The world can't accept him because it neither sees him or knows him, but you know him, for he lives with you and will be in you. And then verse 23 of that chapter, Jesus said, anyone who loves me will obey my teaching My Father will love them and we will come to them and make our home with them. So much as I occasionally think how wonderful it would have been to see that pillar of cloud and fire and God's very presence with my eyes or to have seen Jesus with my eyes, what we have is better. God has given us his Holy Spirit to live within us. That relationship of love that is at the heart of the universe, God, Father, Son and Holy Spirit, comes to dwell within me and within you as we bow the knee to Jesus as our Lord. And the Holy Spirit helps us to experience not just God's presence, but his love. Romans 5 and verse 5, Paul says this, uh, God's love has been poured out into our hearts through the Holy Spirit who has been given to us. And God's love is utterly constant, as constant as the sun which shines all the time. We don't always see the sun because of the clouds or whether we shut ourselves off inside, but the sun is always shining. God is always loving. And the better we can experience that love and know that love for ourselves, the better, the closer we come to him, the more we live the way that God intends. And in the New Testament, St. Paul uses this imagery of the Holy Spirit living in us both for the church as a whole and for individual Christians. So 1 Corinthians 3 verse 16 is to the church as a whole. Don't you know that you yourselves together are God's temple, uh, that God's spirit dwells in your midst. So as a church, God dwells within us. It will be wonderful when we can gather again and fill this place and worship together. Uh, We'll continue to broadcast online for those who can't be with us, but it will be fantastic to worship together and know God's presence in our midst together. But the Holy Spirit is in you individually and in me as you follow Jesus. So just a few chapters later, St. Paul says this, 1 Corinthians 6, this is in the context of personal holiness. I'll read from verse 18. It says, flee from sexual immorality. All other sins a person commits are outside the body, but whoever sins sexually sins against their own body. Do you not know that your bodies are temples of the Holy Spirit who is in you, whom you've received from God? You are not your own. You're bought at a price. Therefore, honor God with your bodies. The Holy Spirit is in you. You are, if you like, a tabernacle or temple of the Holy Spirit yourself. As wherever you go, God goes with you by his Holy Spirit. And that same theme of God being with us wherever we go shines throughout the New Testament. Just one more example, Hebrews chapter 13, verses 5 and 6. Keep your lives free from the love of money and be content with what you have because God has said, never will I leave you, never will I forsake you. So we say with confidence... Haven't got the next verse. We haven't got... So we say with confidence, the Lord is my helper. What can man do to me? 
So this is a tremendous confidence. We don't need to be afraid of, what, of others because God is within us. We don't need to put our security in finance because God is with us. We're to live pure, holy lives because God is with us. His presence is in us and with us. And this is the most wonderful thing, more wonderful than the pillar of cloud and fire all those years ago, more wonderful than if we'd been alive at the time of Jesus, that God by his spirit dwells in you and is with you. He loves you. Jesus died for you. You are forgiven and adopted into God's family. He will never leave you nor forsake you. Uh, even when we die, death is not the end. Uh, we'll be ushered into his presence fully. And when Jesus returns, the whole world will be made new. The whole creation made new. No more sin, no more suffering, no more death. We will enjoy being with God forever. And God wants you to know that and live in the security of that. Just as the ancient Israelites had the security as they came to that tent in the morning that God was there. So God writes those truths deep within us. And at the end of the service, we will pray that God will fill us afresh with a knowledge of his presence and his love by his Holy Spirit and help us to live closer to him. Just like the sun's shining, if you stay inside all day, you'll not experience that so much. But if you go out, you can feel the warmth of the sun. As we choose to worship God, to read his word, to pray, uh, to seek to please him, so we experience more of his love and favor for us. And the closer we get to him, uh, the better we will discern his guidance. So let's come on to this other theme of the cloud moving. This theme that the cloud of God's presence guided them uh, wherever they went. I won't read all the verses again, Zach. We've teed them up. Uh, Naomi read them perfectly well. But when the cloud was there, they stayed in the camp. Uh, when the cloud lifted and moved, they broke camp and off they went. And sometimes they stayed where they were quite a long time, and sometimes it was just a couple of days or even a night. Now, I don't know if you've ever camped. Uh, we've camped at New Wine most years for the last 20 years or so. Uh, we have quite a big trailer tent to cope with our big family. It takes a long time, several hours to set up. If I'd set up that and then the cloud moved the next day and we had to pack up, I would be a bit fed up. <laughs> Uh, conversely, a week of new wine was about enough and I was kind of ready to pack up and come home. If we'd had to be there for a year without packing up, that would have been a bit much. These Israelites, sometimes it was a year, sometimes it was a day or two, but they followed the Lord's leading. If the cloud moved, they moved. If the cloud stayed, they stayed. It was fairly basic guidance for them, but they were learning to follow the Lord's leading, learning to obey, vital early lessons uh, just as children need to learn to obey their parents. And it's fairly basic guidance to start with. Uh, and then it becomes more nuanced as they grow up. So God will guide us today, not by a pillar of fire or cloud, but he does promise to guide. We all need it. Is God calling you to stay single or to marry? If so, who? What job should you take? Where should you live? We have to make decisions about our time, about money, about holidays, looking forward to being able to make decisions about holidays again, about cars, about uh, where we spend Christmas and who with all those decisions. Uh, we have lots of decisions and we need God to guide us in the big things and the small things, how we cope as we emerge from lockdown day by day. We need this as a church uh, for, to pray for God to guide us. How does he want us as St. Paul's to emerge from lockdown? What will the new normal look like? What belongs in the past that we leave there? 
what do we start doing again? Uh, I'm meeting with my senior team tomorrow night and we'll communicate with you uh, as a church when we think it will be right to have congregations able to come back into the building. Uh, and then in due course, a bit of a roadmap ourselves that we'll work out how we open things up through the summer, heading for uh, hopefully being able to be fully open in the autumn. Uh, but we need the Lord to guide us in that. Throughout the Bible, God promises his guidance so many times. Uh, let me share one or two with you. Psalm 32, verse 8. God says, I will instruct you and teach you in the way you should go. I will counsel you with my loving eye on you. Famous verse from Jeremiah 29, 11. God says, I know the plans I have for you, plans to prosper you and not to harm you, plans to give you hope and a future. Uh, God knows his plans for us. He wants to guide us into them. Uh, and yet at the same time in the Bible, you get God's frustration when his people ignore him and don't listen to him and go chasing off elsewhere and it never works out well. Just for example, Isaiah chapter 30, verses 1 and 2. The Lord declares, Woe to the obstinate children, as the people of Israel, to those who carry out plans that are not mine, forming alliance but not by my spirit, heaping sin upon sin. They go down to Egypt without consulting me. They look for Pharaoh's protection, to Israel's shade for refuge. Uh, God's so fed up with his people, they go off anywhere else looking for help rather than to him. And there may be one or two of you today who've been looking elsewhere rather than to the Lord for your guidance and wisdom and God says he loves you he knows the plans he has for you he will guide you as you come to him St Paul in Romans 12 1 and 2 describes how we can get to know God's will for us he urges us brothers and sisters in view of God's mercy to offer your bodies as a living sacrifice holy and pleasing to God this is your true and proper worship don't conform to the pattern of this world but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Then you'll be able to test and approve what God's will is, his good, pleasing, and perfect will. It's as we submit ourselves to the Lord and say, you are my Lord, if you lead, I will follow, then God tends to make his way uh, much clearer to us. Uh, I think a precondition of guidance is being prepared to go where he follows. If we're not going to go where he leads, he probably won't lead. So we need to seek him, we need to meditate on his truth and we'll get better at discerning his way. So how does that work out in practice? Well, five quick things, very similar to the Alpha talk on guidance, that the Holy Spirit uses to guide us and usually it's an interplay of all of these five things. First off, the Bible, the scriptures. Uh, love this verse from Psalm 119, verse 105. Your word is a lamp for my feet, a light on my path doesn't describe it like a great searchlight showing us miles ahead, but showing us the next step again and again. God's word will do that as we read his word and meditate. God will guide us. He's made some things abundantly clear in his word. Just earlier, we touched on fleeing sexual immorality or not loving money or not needing to be afraid because God is there. There's plenty of sort of big picture guidance there for us on money, relationships, time and morality. So much wisdom. But God also speaks to us sort of often immediately as we're reading the scriptures to equip us and guide us for what we need each day. I love what Paul said to Timothy, 2 Timothy 3, 16 and 17. All scripture is God-breathed. It's useful for teaching, rebuking, correcting, 
training in righteousness, so the servant of God may be thoroughly equipped for every good work. If we want God to equip us, to train us, to guide us, the scriptures are the first place to go each day to meditate them, uh, to read them together so we listen to what other people think about them in our small groups or triplets uh, as well as on Sundays. So prayer is the, sorry, the Bible's the first thing. Prayer is the second way. We read the Bible prayerfully and we take time to pray things through, especially committing our way to the Lord and saying, Lord, if you lead, we will follow. Do you know these verses from Proverbs 3, 5 and 6? Trust in the Lord with all your heart and lean not in your own, on your own understanding. In all your ways submit to him and he will make your path straight. I love the good news translation. Instead of lean not on your own understanding, it says don't rely on what you think you know. Trust in the Lord with all your heart and then he will make your path straight. So in prayer, we need to get to the point where we say, Lord, you know best. I will lead. As I was preparing this, I was remembering a lovely couple from the, my last church in Hinckley uh, who said to me one time that a bit of guidance had just fallen into place for them rather surprisingly. And they wondered if I'd been praying for them. And I had to confess I hadn't been particularly praying for them. No, but I asked a bit more. Uh, and it turned out they'd just got to the point where they said, OK, Lord, whatever you want. And at that point, the guidance became clear. And that feels so authentic. We trust in the Lord with our heart and then he makes the path straight. That lovely example of Mary when Gabriel came to her to tell her that she'd be the mother of Jesus. And she very simply says, uh, I am the Lord's servant. May your word to me be fulfilled. Lord, whatever you ask of me, I say yes and go that way. Now, sometimes there's a bit of a tussle in that. I remember as God was calling me to be ordained, there was a monumental tussle in me. I had absolutely no intention of being ordained. My dad had been a vicar, a country vicar. I'd seen the way he operated and lived, and I was very impressed, but I knew it wasn't for me. It just looked hard work and not much pay, and I didn't appreciate the inner joy of following the Lord's leading at that point. And I'd sworn blind for till I was 19 that I would not be a vicar. And then I bowed my knee to Jesus as Lord and I wound up leading in a Christian union and enjoying ministry and people started to say, well, you're bound to be ordained, aren't you? I said, no way, no, absolutely not. I'd worked for IBM in my gap year. I was doing a math degree. I planned to go back to them. I got involved with the local church. I want to serve the church. I love the Lord, but I'm not doing that. And I realized I needed to come clean with the Lord on this one. I couldn't say no, Lord. So I remember praying, well, Lord, if you want me to be ordained, please would you make me want to do it? And I was really pleased with myself. I thought that was a clever prayer because there's no way God could make me want to be ordained. I so did not want to. Well, it took him about three months. And within three months, I found actually there was nothing else that I really wanted to do. Uh, and it's been good for me following God's call. And some of you will be wrestling with God's call on your life. Not necessarily ordination, it could be... Uh, the Lord needs people in every sphere, in education, in health, in business, in commerce, in government, in politics, in the arts, in media. Where the Lord is calling you to go is the best place for you. Sometimes the guidance comes very specifically on a particular day. You just get a strong nudge to phone someone or email them. Uh, just the other day I phoned someone up and they were so appreciative. It just felt like the right day. 
Uh, a bit like in the Bible when Ananias is having his quiet time and the Lord tells him to go to Straight Street and pray for Saul who will become Paul. Fairly direct guidance, but it came as he was praying. Or to the leadership team in Acts 13, as they were praying together, God gave them guidance to set apart Paul and Barnabas and send them off on mission. I long for the day when I, as a leadership team, we can gather together in the same place. It's good over Zoom, but it's not the same as all being in the same place. And the same for small groups and prayer triplets and so on. There's something about being together with the Lord where he guides. Now there was a time uh, in my life when I was asking the Lord for guidance. Whenever I prayed, what do you want to do? The only thing I got was there was a particular relationship in my wider family that needed attention. And whenever I prayed, Lord, what do you want me to do? All that came into my mind was work on that, sort that, to the point where I stopped asking the Lord what I ought to be doing and eventually got to the point where, okay, we need to give attention to that relationship, uh, which is better. Uh, But there are times when God just won't guide us until we've sorted out something that needs attention. And these things tend to come as we pray, uh, day by day, over a period of time. So the Bible, prayer. Thirdly, listening to other Christians. God will often speak to us through others. It's important to listen, to take advice. Proverbs 12 verse 15 says, The way of fools seems right to them, but the wise listen to advice. Now there are some people who've kind of decided what they're going to do anyway, and they ask everybody until someone says what they think they, agrees with them, and they do that. That's not, that's not really what we're talking about. We're asking a few people who know you and love you to, would you pray with me, and what do you think I should do? I'm just asking a few folks at the moment. Uh, what do you think we should do about having congregations back in the building? Should we go sooner? Should we go later? How do you sense the Lord's leading? And we'll weigh this as a leadership team tomorrow. We need to listen up to others. Your small group, prayer triplet. It may be, if God's pointed something out to you, coming for prayer after the service today or asking for prayer at another time. Would you pray for me in this area of guidance? Fourth area, Bible, prayer, asking advice from other Christians. Pay attention to your circumstances. God will often guide us uh, in particular ways according to our circumstances. Think of that time when Paul was in Troas, that sort of western Turkey, round about Bodrum today, and he was trying to preach the gospel there and nothing worked. It must have been immensely frustrating. And then at night he had a dream of a man from Macedonia, from Greece, saying, come over to us. And they concluded, ah, that's why things haven't worked out here. We're not meant to be working here. And over he goes to Philippi and the gospel is planted in Europe. Pay attention to circumstances. Some things just aren't working. Uh, Rather than being frustrated with the Lord, maybe that's because God's saying that's not the right thing. He's got something different. Or the book of Esther in the Old Testament who becomes queen. And her uncle says to her, who knows, maybe it was for such a time as this that you became queen. You may find yourself in a particular situation without really knowing why. But then something will crop up and you wonder whether you should be speaking out or doing some culture change in that situation or whatever it is. And it may be God's put you there just for that time. Ask others to pray with you, pray about it, listen to others, as Esther did to her uncle Mordecai. But pay attention to your circumstances. Uh, And the fifth ingredient is use your common sense. God has given us common sense for us to use. So back to Psalm 32, verses 8 and 9, this verse we had earlier. I will instruct you and teach you in the way you should go. I will counsel you with my loving eye on you. 
do not, but then do not be like the horse or mule. They have no understanding. They must be controlled by bit and bridle. Uh, so don't be like that. We don't need God to actually steer us left and right all the time. We're to use our common sense. If you are short, you're probably not called primarily to be a basketball player. If you're tone deaf, you're probably not called to be a worship leader. There are some things you just need to use your common sense in and don't need to push further on. Um, but all these five things work together. We use our common sense, we pay attention to circumstances, we listen to others, we pray, we read the scriptures. And through it all, God promises to guide us. These all work together. And God uses everything for our good. That famous verse in Romans 8:28, that in all these things, God works for our good, making us more like Jesus. That supremely is what he's guiding us to do, to become more like Jesus. But along the way, to help others. That's why he needs us in every area of life, the big things and the daily small nudges. So can you see how these two go together, the presence of the Lord and his guidance. The closer we get to him, uh, the more the Lord will guide us. And often when we look back, we can see how he guided us, when at the time we're not quite clear. If I can just give a bit more personal testimony into this. Do pay attention to your own inner peace level. I often recommend that you m people make a provisional decision. There's a big decision coming up. Use all these things and think, well, this is what I think is the best thing to do. And then live with it for a little while. As it were, look the Lord in the face and say, Lord, I think this is what you're calling me to do. And if this is right, please may my peace grow. And if it's not right, please may my concern level grow. Um, this happened for me as I was looking for which church to be a curate in myself. Actually, the guidance came fairly simply. A friend said, why don't you consider that parish in Chesterfield? I think it would suit you. And I got in touch with the vicar and went to meet him and met the church. And at every stage, the peace level just grew and grew to the point where I was the curate there. It's been very like that with Andy and Holly, who are going to be, Andy's going to be our curate starting in the summer. Uh, we felt God's peace the whole way, that this is just the right thing. And we've prayed into it as we've met several times, mostly by Zoom, uh, once in person. And we felt God's peace level. Uh, as I think through how God's guided me since then, well, after that job, looking for my next job, it wasn't nearly so straightforward. There were nine different jobs I applied for, all of which made lots of sense humanly. I went to interviews for most of them. And in each case, I just thought, this doesn't feel right. And in each case, I wasn't offered the job. Horrid to get no's, but began to sense God funneling me into a job that hadn't looked attractive initially. And I wound up being a team vicar in Hinckley for eight wonderful years. God guided us there, but it was slowly closing every other door and funneling us to that place uh, where we just, God blessed us and we loved it. And uh, we didn't want to leave. Some of you will know the story of how we were called here. I was very happy in Hinckley and three different parishes contacted me and asked me to think about being their vicar. And I said, no, no, we're in Hinckley, we're very happy. But after the third one, started saying, well, Lord, I wonder if you are calling me on. That's the circumstances. And so Juliet and I started praying, well, Lord, would you call us to stay or would you call us to go? And I met a godly old Christian fellow uh, who knew me, a wonderful old school. He said, my dear chap, what can I pray for you? And I said, well, Ken... We're just wondering if God's calling us to move. We don't really want to, but we're, we're just wondering, would you pray about that? And he said, hmm, 
keep an eye out for St. Paul's Leamington. They're looking for a new vicar. That might suit you. Didn't pay any much attention to it, but thought, okay. And uh, as you read the church press and adverts for jobs, I saw the advert for St. Paul's Leamington, and I thought, I'd better read this. And it just sounded like it's the right thing. Something made me think, yes, we need to get more details. Got more details. Uh, the description had one of those wish lists that every church has, which humanly look impossible. Ten things they asked, St. Paul's asked for, by gifting or experience. Five I had by gifting, the other five by experience. And it just felt that God was bringing us here. So we didn't apply for any other jobs. Uh, the application said, why do you want to come to St. Paul's? And I genuinely wrote, actually, we don't particularly. We're very happy in Hinkley, but we think God's calling us here. And if so, we'll come delightedly. Um, and we were interviewed, and by God's grace, got the job, and we've been here, and feel God's call to stay uh, for this next season as well. And so can you see how all of these things come together? Listening to others, praying, listening to the peace level, just testing out the water, uh, looking for the God, Lord to speak through scriptures. Sometimes the cloud moved quickly. Sometimes the cloud was frustratingly slow, and they were there a long time. And when that's the case, we need to wait and not to rush ahead of the Lord. That will be the truth for us as a church, as the Lord guides us out of this lockdown. Uh, we don't yet know how quickly or slowly he wants to move. My hunch is slower to give us a chance to regroup, to worship together, uh, to look out for those who've been more casualties of this pandemic, uh, to regroup. But at the same time, the Lord may want us to do things a bit more quickly. Uh, so let's pray together that he will guide us. Uh, it's the annual meeting in four weeks. I hope to be, I'll certainly share as far as we know the Lord's led at that point. And over this next four weeks, giving more time to trying to pray, okay, this is where we are as a nation, what's right for us as a church. But we're going to close by praying for God to fill us afresh with his Holy Spirit. I wonder if the band would come back ready to uh, lead us in our last song of worship. Uh, in the church building, if you're, you might like to stand. You may like to stand at home. And we're going to pray that God would come and fill us with his spirit, that we would know his presence inwardly, even more than the Israelites could see the cloud outwardly with their eyes. Lord God, our Father, how we praise you that you love us and you want us to be in close relationship with you and you promise to guide us. Lord Jesus, how we praise you that you died for us, that our sins are forgiven and washed away, that we're adopted into your family and we can call your Father our Father. Holy Spirit, how we thank you that you live within us and help us to know the love of God. And we pray, Holy Spirit, come and fill us afresh this morning. Come, Holy Spirit. Let's just be still for a minute or two. We ask Holy Spirit, if there's anything in the way of our relationship with you, Perhaps it's a money issue, a sexual morality issue, a relationship issue, a time issue. If there's anything where we're out of step with you, convict us. Point that out to us, we pray.
if there is one of those things, confess it to the Lord and know his forgiveness. And just as the sun is shining outside now, Holy Spirit, come and shine the love of God, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, into our hearts, deep within, not just in our heads, but deep within our innermost being. And help us learn to walk in step with you on our own and together uh, with others, our triplets, our families, our small groups, this whole church that we would be close to you and be guided by you. And just as you guided the Israelites through that cloud, would you guide us as a church, we pray. So Holy Spirit, continue to help us to trust you as we worship, as we sing our last song of Jesus, our Lord and King, and give us grace to follow you wherever you lead. And all these things we pray in your great name. Amen.